Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And this is the fourth time we're recording this intro. (laughs) We've recorded it so many times. Well, now we just have the giggles. However, the first time we recorded it, we got like five minutes into the episode and I sounded really mean and Olivia sounded really sketchy. And we decided that we needed to start over because there were going to be a lot of questions that we didn't want to answer. (laughs) Now I feel like they're going to have a lot of questions just based on that. But anyway, we're here. We're here. We're live in Brooklyn at my apartment, which happens to be my high that Olivia is visiting. You haven't visited in quite a while. So I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, it's been so long. And I'm so excited to be here for an entire weekend, basically. I know. It's going to be really fun. We are going tonight to see Stephen Rowley's book chat thing at Books Are Magic. I've never been to Books Are Magic. It's their new location. We had a nice lunch. We're recording. We're going to watch The Bear. I'm so excited. We have plans. We do. Uh, What's your high? My high is that, but also bad on paper related. I was at a bookstore in Hudson, New York last weekend, Spotty Dog Bookstore. There is beer and wine and books. I mean, what more could you really want? And someone came up to me and said, hi, I just had to tell you I love the podcast. And I was with my in-laws. So it was a major ego boost. So shout out to you, Emma. Thank you for giving me that and making me look cool. And it was just really nice. And they said that they pre-ordered Becca's book, which was awesome to hear. That's so nice. Thanks, Emma. And it was just really lovely. And it was in a bookstore, which I just loved. That's very on brand. It was just like a cute little moment. Has Jake ever been with you when you've been recognized? Uh, Yes. Okay. So it was only the in-laws that you were impressing. Yeah. Yes. I feel like I'm always a little awkward when it happens. But when there's other people, I'm at least like well, this makes me look like I don't just sit in a room and talk to myself all day. That's so fun. Yeah. What's your low? I feel like I can't say my original low because that's where I got into hot water last time. The outline says Olivia refuses to go on a trip with me, which we have clarified is not the case. I am not refusing. It just hasn't worked out yet. But I did in the last scrapped one, get her to commit to, we can go somewhere in driving distance of Hudson within four hours. So if you have road trippable ideas, and I'm going to do some research too. Mm -hmm. I think we're in business. Yes, we're going to do this. I've just tried a couple times this week to get Olivia to say yes to go on a trip with me. Although now that I think about this, because we only have one car, it might actually make more sense just to fly. So, you know, we're back to nowhere. We're back (laughs) Or in a way, everywhere. (laughs) Oh, no. Whenever it does happen, it's going to be great. That's all I know. Toronto, get ready. (laughs) We've got to go now. I want to. Honestly, that's probably an affordable flight. It's probably a cheap flight. So you know what? I'll just use points and it's happening. Okay. See you all in Canada. I would love to. We'll get Rex from Carly Fortune. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's going to be great. It is. We just need to be... Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Before you leave, I'm going to get you drunk tonight. I mean... And then we're going to take out your calendar, and we're just going to... We're going to pick a weekend. Okay. I might have enough points for both of us. Oh, you know what? If you come... Oh, no, never mind. Okay. I was going to say, if you come down here and fly with me, I could probably use my Delta Companion certificate, but I don't think it's valid to go <laughs> out of the country. Like an emotional sport, dog. I don't think it's valid out of the country. And so Canada stretches oh. the boundaries of what Delta is oh, giving me. Gosh, Delta. We'll figure it out. We'll figure okay. it out. Guys, check back next week and make sure we have a trip booked. 
I actually do want to hear Toronto suggestions for what to do. Because in my mind, it's like, what will we do? Oh, it's so cool. There's like an island and there's museums. There's an island? Like Toronto you already Island. Know. Have you planned this? No, I've just read a lot of books set in Toronto. Oh. Okay, I need to do that more. I feel like there's a really good restaurant scene. Mm-hmm. I know there's a bunch of cool bookstores. Like, I feel like we're only going for a long weekend. Like, we can definitely yeah. entertain ourselves. Okay, great. Great. Um, What's your low? I don't really have one. Oh, good. Yeah, all highs. I always love a low this week. Me too. Well, we didn't say at the top of the episode because we have done this so many times, but this week we have a listener Q&A with all sorts of questions that were submitted to us to answer. So let's take a quick ad break and then we can get into that. I feel like trying to find a doctor is kind of the perfect representation of just how annoying it is to be an adult sometimes. Growing up, I think I imagined that finding a doctor would be as simple as just Googling something and making an appointment. Instead, it's gathering recommendations from friends, checking which of those doctors are located near you and have an appointment that you can go to soon. And then there's the kicker, whether or not they actually take your insurance. There are so many more steps than I ever thought there would be when I was a kid, but ZocDoc makes the entire process so much easier. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can literally filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. I use ZocDoc to make pretty much every single appointment that I need to make. And it's also great for scheduling less urgent things like skin checks at the dermatologist. That's an example of something I probably would never do on my own if I had to go through the process of finding them and vetting the doctor and making sure they take my insurance and calling the office myself. Go to ZocDoc.com BOP and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-O-P. ZocDoc.com slash B-O-P. So I decided we would start with the meaty questions because I feel like we usually save those for last. Ooh, the meaty. These are the ones that people emailed and voicemailed us about. I like these. I do too. Yeah. Do you want me to read the first one? Sure. Okay. This one's from a while ago. And it has been sitting in our inbox for a while. So hopefully you're still here. (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, this person probably figured out (laughs) what to do. So she said, I want to delete social media for my mental health, but I don't want to lose touch with some people I DM here and there or lose out on following my favorite influencers like both of you. When I, when I need a cleanse, I delete Instagram, but I find myself going on it on my laptop and only viewing my favorite influencer stories. I have to keep up on the latest, of course. The problem is that I've recently experienced a fallout with a group of my friends, and quite frankly, it hurts to see what is going on in their lives because it's still very ripe, and I don't want to completely unfollow them. I think generally I need a break from social media overall to center myself again, but I really don't want to lose following all of you. I use Instagram to respond to stories of the people who I'm not as close with anymore, and deleting would mean ending those interactions as well. And I've even DM'd questions to both of you and gotten responses. I think it's bigger than just muting people I don't want to see. I think I need an overall break. How do you recommend balancing a cleanse from social media, mostly a cleanse from those I know IRL, and staying up to date on the latest trends and things my favorite influencers are doing? Do you have any initial thoughts? I do. I do. I feel like it sounds great to do a cleanse. 
I would say if the thing that is stopping you is wanting to know what your favorite influencers are up to, I would say that in most cases, Instagram is like one of multiple channels that people are on. So I would say newsletters are great. I can say with certainty, my Instagram is one, a highlight reel, and two, posting things when I'm bored. It's not the deep stuff. Like it's not Mm -hmm. like the podcast is more accurately representative of like what's going on with me. The newsletter is like a good, hey, here's what's going on state of the state. Like I think in most cases, a lot of influencers, like I'm thinking of Grace and her blog, like they have another channel where you can keep up with them. So like I would say subscribe to people's emails. If they have a podcast, listen to that. But like I was thinking about this when I read the question. I was like, I just like don't think that I feel like this is terrible to say, but I'm like, I think you're not missing out on much by not following me on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, especially if you listen to the podcast or like you said, subscribe to a newsletter. It's like you get to see my face is like the value of Instagram. Well, I think the thing that makes people need to take a break from Instagram Like, I think a lot of it has to do with the image part of it. Like the fact that you're constantly seeing these photos of people that are curated and edited and perfect. Whereas I feel like it's easier when you're reading something or listening to have a more realistic, balanced point of view. And it feels better. I mean, you don't really see someone saying, I really need to do a cleanse from podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think there's a reason for that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but you're so right. I would echo everything you said, Becca. I mentioned this on the last episode, but I... Like, I feel like you're so much more real in your newsletter essays. Yeah. Like, your Instagram is like, no offense, but like your Instagram stories is like, I'm watching Black Mirror. This is scary. (laughs) Like, it's like, it's like if you were like, hey, I want to know what's going on with Olivia. (laughs) Yeah. If you really want to like get inside my brain, but then like maybe... Not everyone's interested in that either. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it depends what you're really looking for. Like, are you really just wanting recommendations and like shopping picks and stuff? Like then, you know, maybe you need to find the influencers that have like shopping pages you can visit on a blog like Grace does or, you know, really great picks in a weekly newsletter. And Grace also has that. And you can still get that just in a different form. So, so far, all of our advice is unfollow us and like (laughs) read Grace's blog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, this is what I was going to say a minute ago, but I mentioned this in the last episode. I have tried like a million different social media break apps or whatever, or strategies or like time frames. Like I'm only going to go on this time of day, whatever. But I saw a TikTok about this app one sec, and it basically gives you a prompt before you open up a social media app and asks you if you really want to go on and also shows you how many times a day you've tried to open the app. And for me, it has worked so well. I have not been on TikTok in like four days, which sounds stupid, but I have been spending hours on it every night. And when I do open it now, I'm like, okay, I have 20 minutes to kill or I really want to post this thing or interact with this thing, whatever. And I find that has been really helpful in the couple of days I've been using it anyway. I know you said that it's not as simple as just muting the people you don't want to see, but I absolutely mute people who I love and for some reason like something they're posting is not putting me in a great mental state and it might be bigger than that like you said but I think in the meantime that's definitely a good step and you don't have to unfollow them I don't unfollow anyone as a rule unless they post something incredibly offensive (laughs) I do I'm an unfollower (laughs) 
uh, not of like people I know in real life, but I like to keep my Instagram following as few people as possible because then I just get sucked in for longer watching content. So like I try to keep it really curated with who I follow. So I do follow influencers sometimes and then just unfollow them. That's fair. People in like I know in real life, I don't. Oh, yeah. No, I don't unfollow them. Yeah. Do you want to read our second question here? Yeah, that's a big one. Okay, here is our second longer question. I love the podcast. Thank you. And instantly thought, wow, I'd love Olivia and Becca to talk about this. When I read a passage in the book, Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. And here's the passage. Nomi once swore she'd never live in Brooklyn. The first time she came out from Manhattan for brunch, just before she climbed into a taxi, she swept her hand across Elizabeth's forehead like Barbara Streisand in The Way We Were and said, your borough is lovely, Hubble. But it was another two years before she and Brian moved. They bought a three-bedroom in a new high-rise with an elevator and a swimming pool. Elizabeth had only ever lived in dusty walk-ups with crown moldings and creaky wooden floors, places that were listed as having character and charm, if not central air or laundry in the building. She attributed the longevity of their friendship, at least in part, to the fact that she and Nomi had opposite tastes in men and real estate. It was impossible for either of them to be jealous of the other. And here's the question. Recently, I've struggled with one of my friendships and think it boils down to competitiveness, especially as it relates to timelines. Examples, getting engaged, buying a house, having kids. Have either of you experienced this before? Do you think friendships with similar people with tastes once in life are more challenging? Maybe I should get a therapist and unpack this, but alas, here I am. What do you think? I answered first last time. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone who hasn't experienced a level of like envy or jealousy with any type of friend is probably lying. Like, I think that it's there, especially the longer you know each other. I guess like, yeah, I can definitely admit to being jealous of people in similar fields as I am in comparing myself. I swear I'm not lying. I don't think I've ever been jealous of somebody who's an actual friend. I've certainly been jealous of acquaintances, people on Instagram, like people I don't really know, but I don't feel like I've been like jealous of a friend in any of these like timeline examples. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've been jealous of a friend, like of somebody who gets like a huge raise and is like gets a big pay bump, but never in terms of like getting married, buying a house, et cetera. And I think, I mean, maybe it's helpful to think about that none of these resources are finite. Like them having a kid doesn't take away your ability to have a kid. Mm -hmm. Them buying a house I mean, I guess technically it takes away one house on the market if you live in the same city, but like it doesn't restrict your ability to get those things. Like it's not like you're competing for the same thing, like a promotion at the same job. Right. So I guess I don't really get bothered by those things. And I think actually, and maybe this is from the perspective of not wanting kids, but I feel like I value so much my friends who are in a similar mindset as me to that. I have a group of friends in New York who also do not want kids and like having that recognition, especially when I do have other friends who are very much in this like life stage of having babies and, you know, not that they ever intentionally other me, but, you know, it makes me, it keeps me sane, honestly, to have friends who are like in this same boat who I can talk with about this. Yeah. So I really value having friends that are like have similar goals, mindset, Etc. And I think yeah. if anything, like maybe speaking to the passage in the book, like having friends who are in different life stages and different economic boats, et cetera, is like almost more difficult to relate to each other rather than like something keeping you close, at least in my own experience. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess speaking personally, the times in my life when I've struggled the most with like, maybe jealousy isn't the right word. Maybe it's something more like comparison. It's not that you don't want that for the other person, but you worry that it says something about you that you're not there. Have been the times when I was the least clear on like what I actually wanted to be doing. Oh. And when I was chasing, I don't know, things that I didn't actually really deeply want. Mm -hmm. But I read this quote once, which is kind of cheesy, but it was something like, measure your worth by your commitment to your own path. And I've always found that really comforting because that means you don't have to compare yourself to what anyone else is doing, regardless of whether you want the same things or you don't. And you can also feel a level of like success or pride or whatever, regardless of whatever you do or don't achieve. Like if you know what you want and you're working towards that, that's the only thing that really matters. So when I do get in these like comparison spirals, which I mean, I'm only human. (laughs) I think that's really helpful for me to remember. I don't know if that will help you, but yeah, I think it's normal. I don't think it makes you a bad person to feel that way at all. I think it's completely normal experience for sure. This also made me want to read this book because I loved J. Courtney Sullivan's debut, Commencement, and I don't think I read any of her follow-up books. So I'm I'm very curious about this book, given just this passage. I love the thoughtfulness of this question. Like the idea that you would be like, I'd like to talk to Olivia and Becca. Like this was very sweet and kind, and I really loved it. Let's take a voicemail question. Hi, Becca and Olivia. My name is Michelle, and my question for you both is, What advice do you have or recommendations for someone looking to start a virtual or in-person book club? Um, I'm part of your podcast Facebook group, and a couple of the members and I want to start a book club, and I was wondering what tips you have for questions to organize the group and um, different ways to facilitate. Um, Thank you guys so much for your podcast. I look forward to your episodes every single week. And that's it. Thanks. Okay. Book clubs are hard. Book clubs are hard. (laughs) I say that I started or have enjoyed this podcast so much because every book club, every physical book club I've been in has died a slow death by scheduling. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I was in a very successful book club in San Francisco and then I moved. But other than that, I've never had a successful book club. So... You know, I don't feel qualified to answer this, but I will try. I hear these stories of people that are like, this book club has been around for decades. I would love to be a part of that. That's amazing. But also how? Maybe next year, one of my goals is going to be to start a book club again. Anyway. Okay. I would say my number one tip as somebody who has been a part of many failed book clubs (laughs) is to pick a regular date and a time and not move it. Like, And like whoever can come can come. And whoever can't, can't. And like maybe the book club is more people so that there's always enough people to have maybe a group of four at least. And like some weeks you're surprised and you're like, oh, there's 10 instead. But I feel like once you start moving it, it is impossible to find a date that works for everyone. And you just like never end up scheduling And then people constantly ask for it to be moved and you just, it's unsustainable. So whether you're like, it's the third Wednesday of every month or whatever you decide, whatever cadence. Like, I feel like just pick it, stick to it. And the rule is if you can come, come. If you can't, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. And then as far as questions go, I mean, I feel like there's some really easy questions to get a conversation started, which is what did you think of the book? What did you think of the characters? Like, what was your favorite part of the book? What did you think of the ending? 
I feel like the better conversations always come out of equating it to your own life experience. So if there's a choice that somebody makes in the book, like Mm -hmm. what would you have done? Or have you ever been in a situation like this? So I feel like whenever you can relate it back to personal experience, I feel like that makes a richer conversation than just talking about these fake characters. I also think that I've learned through hosting this book club that certain books make great book club picks and certain books do not. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a genre of book club fiction, which like is specifically meant to have more to talk about. But I generally find that romances are really hard because it's like, it's designed to end in a happily ever after. So everything is kind of like self-resolving. And like, you can talk about tropes, you can talk about bigger trends in romance, but like, if a romance is successful, you're designed to ship the characters. And so- Mm -hmm. It's really hard to spark a conversation where like people have differing points of view. And I feel like you just end up having a conversation of like, yeah, I really liked I liked it too. It was great. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. there's not a lot of meat to pick apart. Yeah. I think family dramas are always great. I think thrillers can be really interesting to talk about in book clubs. Like, I don't know that fantasy is great either. Yeah. I kind of realized that as I was writing the summary for Fourth Wing, I was like, oh, this is... Like, because it's very hard, I think, to remember those details and discuss them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think our episode went very well. And because it's such a popular book, that adds a whole another layer to it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think romance is the hardest. I agree. And I think fantasy is maybe under there. I also would suggest, because it sounds like you're creating this book club with groups of our Facebook group, we always do our book club the last Wednesday of the month. You could do your book club the first Wednesday of the month and you can steal our book and you could steal our questions and you can also talk about whether you agreed or disagreed with us. So yeah. that's a way to go about it too is you can kind of just like rip off our book club. Yeah. We, we don't mind. Do it. Please do. What about you? Have you ever been in a long-term book club? No, I was a part of a virtual one during 2020 and it, I mean, maybe it lasted two or three months. I don't know. It just kind of faded away. I would love to though. I would love to. I would love the consistency of it just being the same day and same time mm-hmm. every month. Like you said, whoever can make it makes it and whoever can't, can't. It's difficult. I think a book club is one of those things that like when it, it sounds great in theory, then it rolls around and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. But then you go and it's wonderful. And so I think that kind of people end up being flaky because of that. Mm. Like it's, it's usually a weekday. A week yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have been to one meeting of this book club that I I got invited to. And honestly, I've been the flaky one. Like it just didn't work with my schedule and it's uptown. And like, I feel bad that I was not a good book club participant, but they do such a themed spread of food, which I think is so cool. Yeah. I love. So like if you're doing it in person, I also think like leaning into a theme is really, really fun. Yeah. And I know that at least in New York, there is a bat on paper book club that meets in person and discuss are in New York? I didn't know yeah. that. I know there's one in Philly. Yes. There's one in Brooklyn, I think. Oh. I was actually thinking that I would text her and say like, oh, are you happy to be meeting on Thursday or Friday? Because we could come. But next time. Oh, I had no idea that there was one in Brooklyn or in New York in general. Yeah. Wow. It makes me really happy when mm-hmm. listeners meet up offline. I saw that there was a Boston book club that yeah. met last week and I was like, me too. It I really was very does. happy. It, it warms my heart. And having done this Vermont trip and hung out with a bunch of listeners, I can confirm that like if you're nervous about going or maybe you have social anxiety, I just know that if you listen to this podcast, me- meeting with other people to listen, you will have instant friends. I can almost guarantee you. 
let's go to the next question, which is mostly for you. This person asked, and they said, mostly for Olivia, but I'd like to know Becca's thoughts too. (laughs) Would you consider publishing a nonfiction book, such as an essay collection? Why or why not? And do you enjoy writing nonfiction the same way you enjoy writing fiction? I'm currently writing nonfiction myself during my MA, and I'm surprised that I enjoy it more than writing fiction. Well, this is a very flattering question. (laughs) But okay, so I love writing essays, and I've been doing it for a long time because I guess I started doing it in Bustle, and I found it to be the thing I enjoyed writing most, more than like research pieces or whatever, interviews, that kind of thing. I have trouble feeling like anything about me or my existence is like... There's a sense that I feel like if you write an essay collection, you have to have like a really specific identity or have had something really terrible happen to you. Does that that make sense? And I feel like that hasn't really... (laughs) That isn't really me. Like, I don't know if the world needs an essay collection from a white woman (laughs) who's just existing. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's true. Like, I think I've seen so many people talk about the collection of essays what is it called? This Place Could Be Beautiful? Maggie Smith? No. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie Smith's collection of essays, which is mostly about like her divorce, which is obviously traumatic, but it's not like Mm -hmm. a wild and crazy situation that hasn't happened to other people. Like it's a pretty normal struggle. Yeah. And people have just been like rapturous about the beauty of this. And I I think your writing is really beautiful too in your um, newsletter. So I could see you writing a great essay collection. I have no idea how hard or easy it is to sell an essay collection. I imagine hard. Probably hard. I think it probably has like a smaller market. Yeah. And also like on the same sort of note, it's like there's only so much to write about. Some weeks I sit down to write the newsletter and I'm like, I just don't want to write about like my feelings anymore or like my body or anxiety or or like anything. It's very vulnerable to do it. And it it invites people to have an opinion and comment on Mm -hmm. you in a way that fiction you're removed from. And I think I, to answer a question that maybe wasn't geared towards me. They said they wanted to know your thoughts too. Like I would be terrified. Like that is too vulnerable to put myself out there like that. I would not want to. I want the separation of it's, it's this both, is a character. Writing, no matter how you do it, is vulnerable. And like, it is vulnerable to write an essay, but at the same time, there is a sense of like, this is my experience. And so like, who are you to tell me that like, my writing about it is bad? Whereas like, if you're writing fiction, it's kind of like, people love to go on Goodreads and be like, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, whereas I feel like with a series of essays, people might be less likely to be like, this is terrible because Mm -hmm. they know that it's attached to a real experience and a real person. So I don't know. There are pros and cons to both. I see that. Yeah. Let's take a quick ad break before getting into some of our quicker questions. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about all of you, but one thing about me is that I like to talk through every single life decision in extreme and thorough detail. It's not even that I necessarily want advice or guidance every time I talk about this stuff, but it's helpful for me just to walk through the pros and cons and consequences of any career or life decision. Having said that, it can feel a little bit awkward to just constantly dump your problems or decisions onto people and expect them to listen. That's why I think therapy can be so helpful. It's a neutral third party who will gladly listen to you and guide you through any life decision or change. 
Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and can work with your unique schedule. Every time I make a point to really talk through big decisions or life changes, instead of just trying to work them out in my own head, I feel better. And I tend to make better decisions. If you're like me and it helps you to talk through this stuff, finding a therapist through BetterHelp could be a great option. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash paper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paper. Let the questions begin. All right. Olivia. Our first category of questions is movies, TV, and music. Great. What's your favorite summer jam? Okay, I have two. Okay. One is Cruel Summer. I was going to say that. I was like, (laughs) it's a single. It's being released as a single. It is going to be the song of the summer. It was my most listened to song on Spotify in 2020. Don't know why, but I was really feeling it. I know why, because it's great. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, It's such a fucking bop. It's the best. And I feel like if the whole world hasn't experienced it, they're about to. Yeah. In a big way. Yes. Did you see the thing where she was going to release it as a single in 2020, but then the pandemic happened and like cruel summer, like I guess it didn't vibe. I don't know. Also we're in the past right now because we're recording this a week in advance while Olivia's here. But I heard a rumor that she's releasing special edition of lover in what is in real time tomorrow. And have you heard the song need? I don't think so. It's so good. But that's one of the songs that'll be on it. It's a oh. vault track. And so I'm like, I hope that in, <laughs> I hope that when this episode comes out, we're just all vibing to the special edition of Lover. Me too. My second one is kind of random, but I've loved it for many years, especially in summer. And it's Master Blaster by Stevie Wonder. Interesting. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. Oh, Oh, should I play it for you? you no, can... that's a copyright infringement. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's, that, we're not going to get there. Anyway, it's a vibe. What is yours? I was going to say Cruel Summer too. That was my answer. It's the best. I now feel pressure to like come up with a second one, but I I like, it's that. It's, I mean, it's number one. Okay, here's a good one. Mm-hmm. What's a movie you could recite nearly word for word as you watch? Mean Girls. What is your favorite line? You could try Sears. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very on brand. Like, I feel like that movie and you, it's, it's a good pairing. It, it's tough because I don't know that all of it is aged well, 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 what does? But um, I could probably recite at least 50% of that movie. It's impressive. What about you? Uh, Ever After. Oh. From start to finish. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What TV shows have you watched and liked recently? So I was going to talk about this in my obsessions, but we're here. So I watched the first three episodes of the new season of Black Mirror. The first episode is so funny. I thought it was the most clever thing in the world. And I just loved it. It's exactly my like type of thing where it's like slightly dystopian and dark, but kind of funny. I just, I thought it was genius. Absolutely genius. The second two literally scarred me for life, but the first one was pretty funny. So (laughs) I will say that. Uh, What about you? I've been watching three things recently that I can recommend. Um, Three. Yeah. So I I watched the final season of Never Have I Ever. Do you watch that? No, but I think I want to watch. It's so cute and great and well-written and funny. And 
oh, it's just such a heartworm. And so I watched the final season of that. It was great. Oh, good. It was great. I felt really happy with how it ended. Then I've been watching the other two. Do you watch that? No, but I know what it is. Oh my God, you need to. It is so funny. It's like very SNL humor. The, Mm -hmm. The two writers on it used to be like the head writers of SNL. So it's like very much that comedy. If anyone is watching, there is an episode this season with Simu Liu at Applebee's that is like the (laughs) funniest. I was like near tears. (laughs) He's everywhere right now. This show is so funny. Like it just, the writing is so funny. Okay, maybe I'll give it a try. It's the second season, right? Uh, This is the third, I think. Oh, third. Okay. Maybe I'll make you watch some of it tonight. Well, I'm here. Okay. And then I've also been watching Somebody Somewhere, um, mm. which is also on HBO Max. Or I guess it's just Max now. And it's like a slower show, but it's also like just a heartwarming outcast story. And oh, I just, I just, I love those people. I have watched the first episode like twice, but I haven't gotten through it. But everyone says it's so amazing. It is, but it's like, so it's I know not I must to. watch TV. So it's right. never the one. It's not so plotty where you're like, I need to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. It's like more of a slow emotional show. Okay. So, you know what I hope to be watching when this airs? Oh, I don't know if it'll be out yet. I don't know when it comes out, but the next summer I turn pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. July something? Mid-July. I'm excited too. What about food and drink? What are your go-to summer drinks? Oh, so right now, I am in a deep grapefruit phase, both alcoholic and (laughs) non-alcoholic. I've been ordering a lot of Palomas this summer. Interesting. I like a Paloma better than a margarita. So I've been liking Palomas. And then non-alcoholic is my mocktail that I make with grapefruit juice and ideally peach pear LaCroix. Oh, that sounds good. It's delicious. Pear and grapefruit. I would have never think to pear. Yeah, but it's just just like a whisper. It's LaCroix. Okay. Okay. Whisper. Okay, well, that sounds delicious. Yeah, those are my, that's my jam right now. What about you? Um, I'm really boring. I just like like a Sauvignon Blanc. Wait, that's it, really, for summer. No water. No, no I'm just kidding. Non-alcoholic. I haven't found anything I'm really that into lately. Just only alcohol this summer. Cruel summer and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, cruel summer and white wine, which I think is Taylor Swift's yeah. go-to drink. So you know what? If it's good enough for her, it's good enough for I. Do you want to tell the people what you're planning to order tonight? I I will tell them, but it's, you don't want to. <laughs> it's it's not with pride. So I have a day probably once every I would say eight to fourteen months mm-hmm. where I feel like it's the right time for a Red Bull vodka. And tonight's that night. She announced it. I'm really tired today. I've got up really early. I slept poorly, and it's a social night. It's a it's a fun night. It's a Thursday night, but it's kind of a Friday night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we've just recorded two episodes back to back. You deserve it. I deserve it. But I also feel like I'm my best self Mm -hmm. when I have a Red Bull vodka. And you want to be your best self for me. (laughs) Which is actually the saddest thing I've ever said. So please don't quote me on that. But uh, Should I put it on your gravestone? (laughs) Just why not? I'm probably going to be dead from the caffeine intake anyway. Anyway, so that's happening. But just one. Okay. Anything more than that, just shit gets real weird. Great. Mm-hmm. Your heart gets yeah, too boom boomy. Too boom boomy. You don't want that. What's your go-to bagel order? I have two. One too. is everything bagel, toasted, cream cheese. Deeply allergic to that, so no. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't think this would be your go-to. The other one is like a maple bagel. What? Like a I've never French even toast heard... bagel. Oh, okay. French oh, toast bagel. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I, that was my fault. French toast bagel. Yep. Sausage, egg, and cheese. Interesting. It's a really good combo. I That sounds good. Uh, what's yours? Okay. I also have two. My first one is a plain bagel toasted with jalapeno cheddar cream cheese. Nice. My current bagel place does not have jalapeno bagels, but I also have lived places that that was an option, which I would go for. Okay. Even hungover. Oh, yeah. You're like, give me the jalapeno. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then the second one is, it's like a once a quarter thing. Mm. I want a plain bagel toasted with scallion cream cheese, oh. locks, delicious tomato, red onion, and capers. I love everything about that except the capers, but I love scallion cream cheese. It hurts me. Like oh. then you're burping all day and the scallion burps. I don't have to clear a room. The onion breath. I, I definitely yeah. understand, but I don't have a scallion problem. Oh, maybe it's just me. Um, maybe we can get that tomorrow. I'm like, you want to burp scallions <laughs> all day tomorrow after your boom, boom heart tonight? Um, I won't make it out of this weekend <laughs> is what we've established. But yeah, I feel like if that would never be my default bagel order. It's like very much like I need to be in a certain mm. mood for a lox bagel. Like sometimes it feels repulsive. I feel that way about eggs yes. sometimes too, where I'm yes. like, you either want it or you don't. Right. Exactly. Like I read a, a tweet or something that was like, you hit a certain point with eggs where you're like, I could never... I can't take one more bite in my life. Yeah, this it's is like going to make most me vomit. I feel that way about bananas sometimes too. Yes, like you know how often I eat a banana, I take like two bites and like I'm done with you. Yeah, you're like, you're you get away from me. This is horrible. Yeah, yeah. like you have one bite and you're like, good, yum. <laughs> like Healthy. three bites, you're like, oh, enough. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page about that because 100% agree. Yeah, like if just like on a random Wednesday you were like, want a smoked fish bagel, I'd be like, fuck yourself. <laughs> But like once a quarter, I'm like, nothing sounds better. It's true. It gets to a certain point when you're eating like locks on a bagel where you're like, absolutely not. Like this texture, this taste. Oh, if I'm in the mood, I can get through the whole thing. I don't like it when there's too much locks, which is, I think, a polarizing opinion. When there's too much, I'm no, like, no, this there is There can't be too much. It has to be the right because then you can't really bite it because it gets like. Yeah, I want like one layer. Exactly. But then I, I need the. Red onion, mm -hmm. the tomato. I also like cucumbers. Oh. Nice little crunch. Sure. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Okay. Um, to life. To life. I questions. mean, what is there beyond bagels when it comes to life? There's but, life. Um, there is. But <laughs> how do you deal with FOMO? Do you experience FOMO? Oh yeah, all the time. I feel like you do everything though. So what do you mean? <laughs> like I feel like you're always with like. I feel like most FOMO is related to people being like, oh, they're hanging out and I'm not going or I'm not doing something. But like you're always with people and doing things and traveling and like going to cool things. Oh, that's so nice that that's your perception. But I don't feel like that's representative. No. Well, tell me about your FOMO and how you deal with it. Well, I what I was going to say is Kate Kennedy, who hosts Be There in Five, had stories about this the other day. And it just it really resonated with me where she was saying so much of social media is a highlight reel. And she was like, when you see people in Amalfi mm -hmm. and like they're having living their best life, they're not taking a photo of the 45 minutes that they're waiting in line to buy tickets to this ferry and it's sweltering hot mm -hmm. and like they're hungry and hungover. Like that's not what you see. Mm -hmm. And so like it's not real. And like she was posting photos of she'd gone on a trip to Lake Como 
I don't, I don't know, some at some point, and it was like, here's the photo I posted. And then it's like, here's what the day actually was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I was like, yes, they're so right. Where it's like, I don't know. And then she also had this like frame of thinking of like, it's not my turn right now. Right. You know, because I feel like so much of FOMO is like, I wish I were on uh, a lot of my FOMO is Italy related. Um, <laughs> where it's like, I wish I were Screw in Toronto. I wish I were in Italy right now. And it's like, it's not your turn. Like, well, everyone is be, in Italy right you'll now. You'll be able to go to Italy. It's not your turn. Yeah. And it's like, also, you could have gone to Italy and you like, mm-hmm. you didn't plan it. So yeah. I like, I, I think some of it is like, it's not that you'll never be able to do these things. And I think some of it is also just being really clear on what you want. And like, I don't know, I feel like I need to create specifically with travel, like a document in my phone of like, here's where I actually really, really want to go. So when like, yeah, when it comes time to plan a trip, I'm like, okay, here's, here's my list in order as opposed to like, oh, I've, this looks cool. Yeah. 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 I feel like, yeah, most of my FOMO is travel related. I really don't think of it as FOMO whenever I see anything New York related. It's just inspiration. I'm like, oh, I want to go do that. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I have the right amount and sometimes too many social plans that I rarely <laughs> experience FOMO of like, I wish, I wish I were, you I want to be where the people social. are. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, I don't know whether to say every time I talk to Becca, like I'm talking to the listeners or every time I talk to you, but every time I talk to you, you're like, yeah, I just got dinner with this person last night. I'm always like, Maybe I should be getting dinner with people, which I do sometimes. But yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe my life would be better if I was doing that. I don't know how I deal with that, but that's <laughs> just how it is, I guess. What about you? How do you deal with FOMO? Do you have FOMO? Sure. I mean, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking like, did this even exist before social media? No. Like, I feel like FOMO came out of like, it was like a term that came out of right. social media. Which is like, the perfect way to illustrate the fact that it's like, it's not real. Like Mm -hmm. it's easy to say like, oh yeah, social media isn't real. But I mean, it's all fabricated. It's not like if someone told me like, oh, I just went on a trip to Italy, I would be like seething with rage or or I just had like a birthday party with 15 people. I'd be like, wow, you know, I feel so bad about myself. But it's something about like the imagery that is like carefully constructed to be like, I'm popular, I'm fun, I'm happy that... I don't know, provides that feeling. Yeah, I don't know how I deal with it exactly. Um, I will say I, I hide people with wild abandon. Oh, do you? I was going to say, constantly. I don't feel like I perceive you as a very FOMO-y person. Like, I just perceive you as like, you have your great, cute little life with Jake and you're like, I'm doing my own thing and like, I'm unbothered. No, I mean, sure, sometimes. Like, I am very happy and content and grateful for everything. But I mean... I definitely have been through moments moving where like, I've been like, oh, should I be in a city? Did I do the right thing? Like, should I be doing something else? Should we be traveling all the time again? But we like, we can't because we just spent all this money on this house. So yeah, I mean, I think I'm like everyone else. I I look at everything else I see on social media and I think, well, would I be better if Mm -hmm. I was doing this? Yeah, I don't think I answered that as I don't have anything (laughs) that I do to deal with it. I hide people. Great. (laughs) What's your favorite treat yourself ritual? I love running errands with a large iced coffee. Like I love going to a Target and thrift stores and antique shops. This is so not a New York thing. Like to me, like my heart rate just went up where I'm like, that sounds so stressful. Oh my God, really? Well, I love to drive now, which is funny because I never drove in Philly. I love to drive because I can't look at my phone. I just listen to music and I drink my coffee. and um. 
I just go wherever I want and buy things I often do not need, but especially thrift stores. I love it. That's like my like affordable treat myself. If I'm spending a little more money, I don't know. I think that's honestly just as satisfying as spending money. What What is yours? I have two. So first one is very much there's like expensive takeout things that I love, but don't let myself order on the regular. And so ordering quote unquote fancy takeout. Mm -hmm. And then especially if I have a show that I either have like a new episode of that I'm really looking forward to or that like just came out. Mm -hmm. And so like that night is like, that's the best feeling. The best. And if you have like all your little snacks lined up, if you want them or like your little dessert, your wine. Yeah. That's such a comforting feeling. Like there's like, there's this burger that's like really expensive, but it's so good. And like, that's one of them. There's like the more expensive Chinese food. There's like... So good. Yeah. Like and there's like a new season of a show. Exactly. That is like peak living. Yeah. The second treat myself ritual is totally free. And it's on usually a Saturday. And it is releasing myself from obligation to do any work, to do anything, like to be like, I have full permission to sit on my couch all day. And that sounds great. opening a book and like starting and finishing a book in one day. That's lovely. I don't do that enough, actually. Because I feel like a lot of it, like I put a lot of weird pressure or guilt on myself for not doing something. And and so like just like being like, you can do this. Yeah. This is your plan for the day. Yeah. I feel like every time I try to do that, it like falls apart. But I need to because it sounds perfect. Okay. Here's this one. What's something on your bucket list to learn about or learn how to do? I really want to learn about gardening. This is oh. not in this specific phase of my life because I don't have a garden. I'm not really interested in doing a community garden, but mm-hmm. like in some future state where I had a yard, I would really like to learn about gardening, probably flowers more than vegetables, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What about you? Same actually, because I feel kind of overwhelmed with our yard right now. And like in my mind, I know how I want it to look, but I have no idea how to get there. I've always been intrigued by like art classes. Oh, like drawing? Like painting, oil painting or watercolor. I don't think I'd be very good, but I just really like color. So I think it could be fun. Yeah. But then I'm like, what is the point? (laughs) Because Mm. at least with the garden, it's like, there's a skill you can put to use day in, day out. But like with painting, I'm like, it's not like I'm ever going to, I guess it could just be a hobby. I don't know. To be honest, something about the messiness of that turns me off. Well, there's also like you have to buy all the supplies and like, I don't know. So in theory, it sounds good. In actuality, would I do it? Maybe not. Slightly different than the treat yourself question. What does self-care look like for you right now? Hmm. I like this question. Well, exercising because I haven't been doing it in so long and I've noticed like it's intense impact on my mental health. So making time for that trying to stay off social media more, sleep, and reading more, I think. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Yeah. And just simple things like sticking to my skincare routine and honestly not buying things. I think I was in a habit of like impulse buying things to like fill a void of some kind. Like every time I feel anxious, I'd be like, on to freepeople.com I go. And uh, it was fun, but I don't know if it really helped me. So yeah. What about you? sleep always. That is like my non-negotiable. And I honestly don't even think of it 
unless somebody else brings it up. But I'm like seven hours at a bare fucking minimum, usually eight or nine. I am too, which is why today I'm like Red Bull vodka because, yeah. which I could just do the Red Bull, but you know, whatever. Always yeah. sleep, not working weekends and not holding myself to an expectation of working weekends. Like I think, you know, there will be times later this year when I'm editing my book where it will be necessary, but right now it is not necessary and I am not working weekends. I'm taking those days off to yeah. refill, to do fun things. And like, I'm not feeling guilty about it. I also have a block on my calendar every afternoon from 1230 to two for lunch and a walk. And I don't do it every day, but like, I know that going for a walk every day makes me feel my Mm -hmm. best. And so I have it in my calendar so that it is equally as important as any other work thing that I'm doing. And then I haven't done it yet, but I'm planning to um, get back into Pilates. And I know that having like an exercise routine makes me feel really good. And I haven't had a great one. I, I feel like I go in like fits and starts, but during COVID, I generally have not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. All great. So how, this is an interesting one. How do you decide what to post as a public figure versus what to keep private? I do not feel super thoughtful about it. I generally feel comfortable sharing a lot of things. And anything that even gives me a tiny second of pause, I don't share. Yeah, it's smart. I think having seen Grace navigate this for years before I had a following and having other friends who have bigger followings, like I feel like I see a lot of the downsides and I'm like, I don't even want to touch this. And it doesn't matter because I'm not, it's not how I'm making my money. So I don't feel beholden in any way. So I'm like, I don't want to talk about dating. I don't want to talk about money. I don't want to talk about these things. And I'm like, if I even have like a second of pause, I'm like, yeah, no, that's a good approach. I think. How do you feel? I feel like I'm still kind of figuring this out, but in general, I feel very protective of my relationship. Like I, I mean, I talk about Jake, we do tipsy candles or whatever, but I would never get into like the specifics of like an argument or something. I just don't think that's ever going to be appropriate. What about your secret shoulder child? (laughs) And our secret child. So for those that don't know, I have this photograph of Jake and I, and we're in our apartment in New York and he's sort of hugging me from behind and I'm wearing an off the shoulder dress and I'm like kind of looking to the side and it looks so much like I'm like holding a baby and this shoulder is like the baby's head. And so every time it's in the background of a photo or something, people will message me and be like, um, is that a baby you're holding? Which, first of all, I love the it's idea very, of having a secret it's child. It's a very like <laughs> loving photo. Like it does it look like you could just pop a baby on Photoshop your shoulder. Photoshop a baby yeah. right in there. But no, we do not have a secret child. But I do like feel very strongly if we did have kids that I would be like pretty hesitant to share 99% of that. But everything else, like feelings, I feel like more than anything else, it helps me to be really honest about it. So I don't have a problem with it. And if it's the truth, then it's the truth. And yeah. Do you plan out your weekends slash free time or do you go with the flow? I think I kind of both, I guess. I I usually plan them out and then kind of like if it doesn't go according to plan, it's fine. Like I can't tell you the amount of times I plan to work on weekends and that I've (laughs) not. But in general, I think I have some sort of a plan. Like Jake and I know like we're going to do something to the house on Saturday. We're going to go to Sam's Club on Sunday. It's very thrilling. What about you? I am both. I am sad 
to say that I think for the most part, I am post spontaneous social plans. Like I am in a state. Oh, spontaneous social plans? No way. Yeah. Like I'm absolutely I'm not. not young and wild and free. <laughs> like if it is not on my calendar at least a day, but ideally at no. least a week in advance, like if I have to shower, put on makeup and get dressed from it and I don't know in advance, like it's not happening. Yeah. So if I'm going somewhere on the weekends, if I'm going to dinner, if I'm going to a birthday party, if I'm going to a museum, like if I'm doing anything with somebody, it's on the calendar. Yeah. But then I prefer if I don't have plans to just go with the flow and like see how I'm feeling and do something or not. Do you notice a significant difference in how rested you feel after a weekend? Like the more plans you have, like if I jam pack a weekend with plans, I feel horrible on Monday. Do you feel that way? Like, do you need downtime where you're just by yourself or not really? Sometimes. It depends. It depends how busy the week before and how many social plans I've had the week before Mm -hmm. is. Like, I definitely need time alone to recharge, but it doesn't necessarily need to be on a weekend. Yeah. I have one friend in particular who's very much like into a spontaneous plan, my friend Lydia. And she'll be like, let's go here on a Saturday. And sometimes I will. But like, by and large, like it needs to be calendared. Yeah. I need to know. I support that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So we have so many questions. We have a surplus of questions. And I think we're going to do a part two next week with shopping, books, and miscellaneous. But let's get into some end matter. Yes. What's your obsession? We both spoiled our obsessions. Oh, yeah. We- <laughs> um, mine is the Cebu Liu episode of the other two. And the other two in general is so funny. We did spoil our obsessions. Yeah. What's yours? My obsession with Black Mirror. Yeah, we, specifically we spoiled the first them. episode. We did. Um, what about reading? Yeah. Okay. So this book I finished is kind of my obsession because I read, finished, I've been reading it for a while, but Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I loved this book. I loved it. I thought it was incredible. I have not wept while reading a book since we all won possible things last year. And this was like arguably more crying because it was like more prolonged. Oh, wow. I loved it. I loved it so much. For those that don't know, this is, it's like a generational family story about four sisters and love and betrayal and just a lot of things. But I absolutely loved it. I thought it was beautiful. It's one of my favorites of the year. As a counterpoint, I read 60 pages of it and stopped because I found it really slow. <laughs> I totally get that. It's it's definitely... Someone messaged me and said it's like everything happens, but nothing happens. And that's kind of exactly what it's like. There's also a lot of basketball talk in like the first yep. 60 pages, but it's not about basketball at all. Uh, I was skeptical, but it is really beautiful. And like, I think... I'm just so impressed that someone could fit that much about characters into a story. So I loved it, but maybe not for everyone. (laughs) What did you read? I reread Book Lovers by Emily Henry, and I specifically reread it as research for my own book because I wanted to see, I feel like she's so masterful at writing fully fleshed out male characters without giving them a POV. And so I really wanted to look at, with book lovers, how she made Charlie feel so yeah. 3D, but you, you're you never inside Charlie's head. Mm-hmm. And so I think next I'm going to read Beach Read too, but I'm kind of like trying to wrap my head around What do you think works. is the secret sauce, do you know? Well, I mean, her characters are all very communicative in a way that I feel yeah. like some people criticize 
the legitimacy of. And so I think like that's part of it is like they have to be right communicating their feelings and their experiences in a way that like mm-hmm. does give you that backstory. But also, I mean, I, I just think she's so good at banter and of these like silly conversations that really do actually show you something about a character. Yeah. So I, I don't agree. know. My I'm, favorite Emily Henry. I'm trying to figure out how how one makes a character feel so vital without ever having their POV. Yeah. So that's what we have got for you. Next week, it's part two of part Q&A. Two. In the meantime, come join us in the Facebook group. Come follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I am on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Olivia Mentor. And we will see you next week. Bye. Oh, wait. No, not bye. We have book club. We have book club. And our book is our listener pick book for July. And it is Same Time Next Summer by Annabelle Monahan. And it is a second chance love story about a very tightly wound, regimented woman who goes out to the tiny Long Island beach town where she spent summers growing up. And she's going there to plan her wedding. And she runs into the boy next door who was her first love. And it throws a wrench into everything. And if you liked Every Summer After last year, I think you will love this book. And And now goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) This is an angry goodbye. All right, bye. Olivia has a Red Bull to drink. I do. (laughs) Okay, bye.